0: Welcome to episode 106 of the P. Primo Show. And we are here with a coach's coach, Mark Mawinney from Canada. And I cannot wait to talk to Mark. Uh, we've got a great show for you. Bear with me while I pay the bills. What are you waiting for? Sell a million, 101 tips for furniture and mattress stores to make another million dollars this year. And I'd like to thank Steve Hawk, and all my friends at the Mattress Industry Network. Over 1,700 strong and growing every day. If you are in the mattress industry, we want you in the Mattress Industry Network group. It is a group run by retailers to help everybody build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. So if you haven't joined, join and tell them Pete sent you. Scan me right there. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Thanks for having me. A little bit about Mark. He is a coach's coach. So coaches that do professional coaching for a living come to Mark to learn how to coach better and more effectively. And he runs a group and on Facebook that's just a little bit shy of 24,000 people. Uh, I happen to belong to that group, and I have for several years. He also runs Natural Born Coaches, and he has a monthly Secret Coaches Club newsletter that you should all subscribe to. Uh, If you are involved in the coaching uh industry, you should definitely do that. Hi, oh, Stu. It's about time, Stu. I thought you left me for dead, brother. I'm glad you're here. And who else was there? Oh, Kyle and... Guy Danes from South Africa. I'm so glad hey, stuff got there. Uh, I sent them some stuff about six or eight months ago. They finally got it. I don't <laughs> even want to know who delivered it or how, but it got there in one piece. Thank the good Lord. So, Mark, I often talk about why people should, uh, should hire a coach, whether you're a business uh, owner, or you're a professional salesperson. Um, I often talk about that, but I'm going to give you a failure in my life. I was powerlifting, and I flew all the way to Las Vegas. I drew, drove another hour and a half down to, I forget the name of the town in Nevada, and I bombed out of my meet because number one, I didn't have a coach. Number two, I didn't have a team. Nobody would help me with my bench shirt. And I said, I'm never going to allow this to happen to me again. So I hired a coach for powerlifting. There's, For those of you who don't know powerlifting, there's three lifts, the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. But then after I really got good at the three basic lifts, I niched down again and I hired a bench coach. And I drove eight hours to work out with my bench coach. Um, and that led to 24, 26 world and national powerlifting titles in this, in, in, in about four years. So I never lost again. Um, and that failure was kind of what prompted me to hire a coach. I've also hired coaches in business. And Mark, why should somebody hire a coach?
1: Well, I have a, I say a similar story, not a powerlifting story. But uh, if, a story from my past when I screwed up by not hiring a coach. So to make a really long story short, uh, prior to starting coaching in 2014, uh, back uh, around in 2000, I got started in real estate. And that was in my 20s, the stone age. Uh, but basically, I uh, spent almost a decade building up a real estate business that got quite large here in Canada. And I think I'd been doing it for about six years or so. And at that time, I'd build a good-sized team and everything was rolling, it was hockey stick growth every year with uh, commissions and revenues and stuff. And one day, a business coach, a local business coach, came into my office to speak with me, You know, to talk with me about me hiring him as a coach. Now, at the time, I hadn't really heard of it. If i thought of coaching, I would have thought of sports, athletics, because this is roughly 2006 or in that. Ballparks and coaching wasn't what it is nowadays. And, uh, basically I, I said to him, you know, thank the no thanks. In my mind, I was thinking like, oh, look how well I'm doing. Do I look like I need any help? And, uh, when it happened a couple of years after that, everything came crashing down. Uh, so, and it was quite messy and, uh, it was not a fun time. So I thought back at that point when everything collapsed and I thought, geez, maybe I should have listened to that fellow a little bit more. Instead of shooing them out of the office and moving on with my day, I didn't make the mistake again. You know, later on in life, uh, going through other challenges and troubles, I hired several coaches and was helped by a few mentors that were important as well. And that's how I got started in coaching. It's 2014. I was getting ready to get back into business. I thought, you know, I know coaching because I got a front row seat to it. And I, this is something I want to do. And here we are nine, almost nine years later.
0: So one of the, the, uh, the little pieces of advice that I give, um, and we're going to delve into this a little bit later is never hire a coach who has never hired a coach because he or she, they don't know what they're doing. If number one, to be a really good coach, you have to be coachable first and foremost. And you know, the, the thing that you mentioned, you know, you were having success in your real estate career. And so when this coach kind of emerged, you said, nah, I don't need him because I'm doing well. Well, what if Michael Jordan, uh, you know, just said, you know, good's good enough. And he never hired Tim S. Grover, uh, or Kobe Bryant never hired Tim S. Grover to be their coach, their conditioning coach, you know, what would their careers have looked like? Would they have been shorter? Uh, would they not have had as much success? Maybe even they may not have had as much fun because when you perform at high levels, you tend to have a lot more fun. So, you know, it takes a certain person to be able to be humble enough, uh, to, to hire a coach, but it takes an aggressive person. To hire a coach too. So it almost to me, it, I had to have the failure because I was doing so good by myself and powerlifting that I didn't need anybody. And then that failure kind of spurred me on. Um, and the interesting thing in, in as a salesperson, uh, as a road rep, I was having a lot of success and I started to see. This guy on LinkedIn and he was making me think, maybe I don't know everything. And I hired this gentleman. His name's Paul Castain and he was my sales coach for several years. And the growth that happened during that period was just absolutely phenomenal. And right now I'm looking for my next coach. Um, so. What do you see when you're looking at, you know, what does, what needs to happen to somebody to internally be ready to flip the switch and say, you know what? Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I could learn something from someone and maybe a coach would help me, especially business owners. Because I couldn't think of anybody that needs uh, a coach more than a business owner because everybody around you is going to tell you what you want to hear, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly.
0: Whether it's a vendor or whether it's an employee,
1: right? Yeah, you made a good point earlier, Pete, that sometimes it takes being humbled. Uh, So Because I prided myself back in my real estate days of being a lone wolf, even though I had 100 agents and employees that were on my team. Uh, when I was approached by that coach and and different things, I was saying no, I built this up on my own. I don't need any help. And sometimes it's just age and experience. You know, I got a few more grays in the hair and the beard than I would have had back in the day, but uh, you learn things and hopefully you learn uh, going through life and take those lessons and and do better the next time. Uh, The challenge, sure, and I see this even with people who are coaches or in, in the personal development world. Uh, often are very big readers and learners. Like they're buying a bunch of books. I see you've got a bunch there, Pete. I know people watching us are probably avid readers as well. So, common—I say common sense—the thought would be, well, why would I hire a coach for X thousands of dollars when I could get a book for twenty dollars and learn, you know, just the same thing or whatever? Well, there's some great books I've learned. Don't get me wrong. There's some books I've learned a lot from, but. It's really hard to replace a coach with a book, you know, hands-on type thing. And uh, the same goes for uh, you can be the most disciplined person in the world, you know, you can be like David Goggins, uh, for example, and uh, have this drive, this motivation, everything. But you, it's hard to see the forest for the trees, and you're a little too close to the situation sometimes. So I've had cases where coaches have pointed something out to me, and I'm like, "Gee, why didn't I think of that?" Well, they had the benefit of being just a little ways away, looking in second set of eyes and then made me think about things differently.
0: Yeah. Perspective. Another set of eyes and ears is invaluable. And when that eureka moment happens, you're like, why didn't I see it? Well, it's human nature. Sometimes we're too close and we just can't see the forest for the trees. And it might be an obvious change that you need to make, it might be a whole nother revenue stream that uh, you didn't even think of. And, you know, I worry about our business owners, specifically my store owners that run mattress stores, that run furniture stores. And, you know, they're so busy running the stores that they don't really have as much time as they'd like to read the books and to listen to the podcast and to expose themselves to all those ideas, which is great, but applying it to your business specifically is kind of where a really good coach comes into to play and then create an action items to work on. Um, the best coaches are not your friends. They are a bit of a taskmaster. But you're, they're agreed upon tasks. This is what we need to move the ball forward and seeing the big picture to me, um, is huge with, with a coach. And, you know, one of the reasons that I joined your group, because what I want to do in my retirement, full confession is I want to be a coach. I've got 41 years of experience that I want to give people and, uh, I want to give back to the industry that's been so good to me. It helped basically a, a, a poor boy, uh, have a great life. And, uh, the coaching jungle was the, the first step it, in that, you know, for us to meet. When you think of really great coaches versus good coaches, what are the differences and what should, uh, a business owner or a sales rep be looking for in a coach?
1: Well, again, you you touched on it uh, just a second ago, Pete, does uh, you're not hiring a friend. Uh, you've got plenty of options if you want to go grab a beer with someone, a buddy. Um, <laughs> that's not what they're hiring for. And I find coaches have a really tough time with this too because I think a lot of coaches naturally are people pleasers. I've, they're human. They want to be well-liked. So it can be difficult to hold a client totally accountable uh, with it because you don't want that client to—they're paying you—and you think, "Ah, oh, gee, you know, I, I don't want to insult them or upset them or whatever." Unfortunately, you're doing them a disservice if you behave that way. They're—you're doing it for their own good by calling them out on stuff, and you don't have to be a you know a prick about it. There's ways that you can do it and uh, keep them accountable and still maintain a good working relationship. Uh, One of the coaches that I think is really good with it, uh, Steve Hardison, uh, who wrote the book, The Ultimate Coach, or his wife actually wrote the book um about his life and his coaching. He operates his coaching business almost uh, the opposite of how most coaches would think to do it. So he's charging over six figures to work with them now. I think it's thousand dollars Work with some really high performers, but he won't fly to meet them. They have to go to Arizona. They have to fly or drive to Arizona to go to his home office to sit down with them. He has a whole process in place there. Now, what would most people think, well, gee, they're paying me six figures. When they say jump, I should be saying how high and hopping on a plane and going wherever. Uh, but Steve doesn't do that. He says, no, you got to come to me No, with it. And he tells us that there's other examples in that book where uh, one of the, uh, the women coming to him, uh, basically asked for a single mom discount, you know, with it. And he said, I, I'm not going to give you a discount here because that's not doing you a service and you'll come up with the funds if we're meant to work together. If you want it bad enough, basically. And, uh, it ended up working out with it. So just a few counter intuitive things there that he does, which I think is a good example to, to answer your question.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. It reminds me of, uh, uh, Dan Kennedy, uh, the, yeah. you know, Kennedy does not travel anymore. He hasn't for years. You have he to fax him. You
1: can't even email him or whatever. He says basically fax me, which I won't probably think what's a fax machine. He makes it hard to get in touch with him, but that also increases his value. He does a great job at it.
0: Yeah. He, he, he really does. And, you know, he tells a story, um, in, in, uh, Told, I think it was in Florida. It was at one of his uh, big, big GKIC events um, when they were in their heyday. And he said, you know, you cannot uh, hold yourself uh, hostage to the fact that some people will and some people won't. And he was specifically talking about people who create products and whether or not the person that buys the products actually engages and actually benefits from the product. And, and what he encouraged everybody to do is think about this story. There was a couple who he didn't see. Well, there was a whole family that was at this at a conference many years prior to this who barely had enough money to scrape together, they had to charge, I think, three or four different credit cards, a little bit of the fee for the conference. So if he would have made come in and made a moral judgment and said, you know what, this is probably too much for you. If you got to put it on three or four credit cards and to scrape this together, it's probably not for you. The thing that he found odd is they disappeared on the breaks. He never saw them eat any food. He later found out They basically were living on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches up in their hotel room. They went on to become multimillionaires, what Mm. they learned at that seminar. So if, you know, if, if you're in business, you should never feel bad about what you charge for anything, uh, whether you're a coach or whether you own a store. Um, if you're providing real value. Uh, one of the things that I really became intrigued about, Mark, and you write about it almost incessantly, is encouraging coaches to focus in on the results that they get for their clients instead of focusing in on how much time is elapsing in a session. Mm-hmm. So I thought, if I'm going to hire a coach, I don't want somebody who's just going to make small talk with me, give me a couple pointers, and fill up an hour of coaching. I want somebody who's helping me get to where we agreed we need to go and who's actually delivering value
1: rather than time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of my offerings, I do a laser coaching package and they're 15-minute sessions. I learned it from Rob, Rob Goyette. And when I first started doing it, uh, geez 2019, I think was when I first started offering it. I thought, Oh God, 15 minutes. That's, I'm a bit of a talker. You know, that's going to be tough to cram things into 15 minutes. Um, where I've done enough of these now, I've, I've offered it a number of times and worked with a lot of people. Uh, you'd be surprised when you, uh, really focus on getting right down to business. Now, I mean, when if I was coaching you, Pete and we, Papped on zoom. It's not like I'd be like bang right away, like within five seconds jumping into it, but I wouldn't spend five minutes talking about the weather in Cleveland, which is probably just as bad as here in Canada right about now. It's pretty close. Um, yeah. Um, we wouldn't talk about how the, the guardians are going to do, you know, this baseball season coming up and all that stuff. You know, it's so you get really good with it. And what I've found is I can get more done with those clients in 15 minutes of concentrated effort than some people that will just, you know, jibber jabber for. And for an hour, an hour and a half, I uh, enrolled in the program last year and uh, it was, you know, there's some good stuff in it. But when I found the person that created the program, he had one of the things he did was live calls with everyone could jump on. And they were about three hours each, two and a half to three hours. They really should have been about 20 minutes. There were 20 minutes of actual valuable stuff there and the rest was just kind of nonsense. And that was kind of disappointing. I thought I would much rather 20 minutes of targeted good stuff and then I can get out and get to work on putting it into action as opposed to dragging things on for two and a half or three hours just to feel like, oh, I got my money's worth. I don't care about that. I'm just looking at results.
0: So when we're thinking about hiring a coach, what would be your number one? Guy Danes, look at you would you, this is Guy, no, this is Kyle Danes. Kyle asks, would you agree that coaches need to have experience in the trenches and business and personal aspects so they can pass on their message quicker, helping the client
1: collapse the timeline? That's a great question. It is, yeah. That's actually a common debate. It's been talked about in the Facebook group sometimes and they you know, to paraphrase some people that asked, uh, does a coach have to have achieved X to help someone achieve X as well? And uh, the way that I've always looked at it is, um, well, Grant Cardone said something good. He said, uh, he helps, he's been helping people become millionaires, but he wouldn't help people become billionaires because he's not a billionaire. You know, he says, yeah, <laughs> he's a positive thinker. Yes. Uh, with it, uh, same thing goes with sports like baseball. Uh, some of the best, um, managers out there weren't very good players like Joe Torrey. I'm reading the book, Joe Madden, a uh, former well, Tampa Bay manager, Chicago Cubs, uh, Angels. He was a really, you know, not a great minor league catcher and didn't even make the bigs, but he was an excellent manager with it. So I think that it helps to have at least be in that world so you can speak the lingo and you know what the, in that case, players, but what the people are thinking. And uh you, you're immersed in that world, but you don't have to be the uh, Wayne Gretzky or Babe Ruth of whatever, to, I, I don't think to um necessarily coach on that. I, by that being said, I love what you're doing, Pete, because you're in that world, uh, which is very a great niche if you work with furniture store people and owners and, and mattress store owners because I don't think I've come across anyone that dialed in with it. Most people, oh, I'm a business coach. Or maybe I'm a business coach or dentist or something like that, but not that niche. So yeah, sorry, Kyle, that's a long answer with it. I think that you... You know, if you're a 19 year old, um, kid coming out of high school, it's going to be very tough to go out there and say, Hey, I'm going to help you become a seven, eight figure earner. Although a lot of them on Facebook are saying that, you know, the, the 19, 20 year olds or whatever. Um, but you need to have some experience, I think, or be in that world to have any credibility and to, and to have that confidence. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, I've, I've, I'm 62 years old. So I notice things as time goes by and um, I'm amazed at how many truly great coaches were average players or weren't even good enough to make the pros. Uh, They were just college players. They loved the game. Some of them got hurt and the closest thing they could get to playing was coaching. But the real superstars I think, have problems. Mm. They don't have to be as fundamentally sound, Mark, as as a less gifted athlete. A a less gifted athlete has to do the mechanics perfectly for her or him to have a chance. And I think that's true in business, too. I, I think that there are people with just incredible charisma um, and they get by with that, and they're not as good at blocking and tackling as they should be, and some of those guys and gals could do really well with a business coach to help them with some of their blocking and, and tackling. One of the things I really wanted to ask you about is because you've worked, um you've hired coaches, you're a coach yourself, you coach coaches, So you're kind of immersed into this world and you have a perspective that there's nobody else that I know of has this exact perspective. And when you look at the coaches who do really great things, like get unbelievably great results, what are some of the characteristics that you see in those coaches and or behaviors that you see in those coaches?
1: well those coaches are usually they're usually invested in the client getting the results without being overly invested and I'll explain what I mean by that so they're not the types that uh, there's a lot of people getting into this world that their dream is to not even talk to anyone they just want to release programs for two thousand dollars hit uh, you know whenever it's on autopilot and people are paying them and then they're off on the beach with their toes in the sand and sipping drinks and enjoying life. And um now on the flip side of it, you get some coaches that are so invested that even if the client isn't the right fit, they're not motivated, they're not an action taker, then they're going to over um, uh, commit themselves to try to get them across the finish line, so to speak. And I know because I used to be like that in 2014, 2015, I took on some clients that weren't great fits and I just want them to get results so bad that if they're only putting seventy five percent in, I'd put one hundred twenty five percent in just to get them over the finish line. And I don't do that anymore. I make sure that I'm vetting and the people that I'm working with or choosing to work with are action takers and motivated, and they they have to want to get the results for themselves. And not everybody, you know, has that in them, or they don't want to. They may say, "Yeah, I want to be successful" or whatever, but are they really willing to give what it takes to be successful? And the longer you're at it as a coach, your spidey senses get more finely attuned. You get better at picking it uh picking it out. A lot of average quick people out there, I don't really have any desire to work with them. I don't want to play in that world uh with it. I'll refer them off to coaches who I don't like. No, I'm just kidding. Um I wouldn't do that. But you know, I, I'm very picky who I work with because it's it's not going to be a good uh experience for me, not gonna be good for them if it's not the right fit. So I guess if you're a really great coach. You could be picky because
0: you've got enough business coming at you 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 can kind of pick and choose who you want so um that might be a re- a pretty good tell right there you know how busy are they and how picky are they and uh do they lay down the rules for for engagement you know um one of the things that you said about Steve Hardison and And you know, Dan Kennedy is the same way they make people come to them. They're kind of laying out how this is gonna be right You know it's not gonna be me flying to you, and I'm gonna be you know running at your beck and call. You know there's gonna be a process, and this is what you can expect from me, and this is what I expect from you kind of a a deal. How important do you think? Um A unique perspective is for a business owner who's trying to either do better or probably take his or her business into uh, another another uh, leap. So they're doing average. They want to do good. They're doing good, they want to do great. How important is perspective in your in your in
1: your mind? Uh, well I want to make sure I understand the question. You mean uh, with perspective, how important is it to uh want success, hire a coach or what?
0: No, the I'm actually I misspoke. I'm I'm actually talking about the coach's perspective.
1: Uh yeah. I mean, one thing I would recommend doing, uh, this really helped my coaching business. Michael Port has a book called Book Yourself Solid. And in that book, he talks about uh the red velvet rope policy. And what he suggests is you treat your, any business really, but in this case, we'll say coaching business, just like a, a brand new restaurant that just opened up in town, the hot restaurant that everybody wants to eat at and you need reservations a long time in advance. And or the hot club, you know, where they've got the big bouncer at the door. It's got the clipboard, the list. Not just any Todd Dick, or Harry could walk in through those doors of those places. You know, there's going to be hurdles to get over it. There we go. Red velvet rope policy. Uh, so when I did, uh, because I was frustrated in the early stages in that first year or so of coaching. Not, yeah. You know, I have met some great people, worked with some, some great people, but I wasn't really happy charging lower amounts and then not... Not having a basically fun with those clients, and they, they, you know, a a case where a client would uh, cancel an appointment just over something, you know, the sniffles or something. I I get it. Someone's dog gets hit by a car. There's a you know serious family issue or whatever. Then by all means, we should reschedule. But these weren't great excuses for canceling coaching appointments. And uh, what I found after I did the red valve rope uh, exercise. I got really, really specific on who my ideal client is and it's stayed the same over the years. And I mean, for example, I have certain things like the client has to be an action taker. You know, I don't want to have to badger them to take action. They need that initiative. Uh, they should be someone who's coachable because not everyone is coachable. Some people ego gets in the way. They just, it's not going to work. And then there's other things, including uh, pays me what I'm worth and pays me on time, which is very important. You know, I'm not afraid to admit that. And if all those things are met, then basically that's a red velvet rope policy for my business, I'll take them on. Uh, When I first did that, I ended up uh, dropping a few clients that weren't the right fit. And then everyone who came towards me, I would judge them against that criteria with it. So I would recommend that any coach or any entrepreneur go through that same practice and come up with a few key points. Non-negotiables, they say, hey, I'm not going to take anyone on unless X uh, happens with it. But what do we see in the coaching world? There, there, sorry, there, are, there is criteria in the coaching world. The person has to be able to fog a mirror or if they have like a pulse, <laughs> then, hey, come on in. Do you got the money. Great, here's the PayPal link and let's get going with it. And it's just not a good way to do business all the way around. So I recommend being choosy and setting some boundaries there and criteria.
0: Yeah. Uh, Guy Danes has a question or a comment. Got to quickly ask certain Key questions of the client and vice versa to see if there is the right fit. Otherwise, a grudge sale or purchase.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, great thing I always look for and I've learned from the past, it's never a good sign if a potential client asks what your money back guarantee is uh, or what's your refund policy. If they're asking that right off the hop. Uh, So I get this with coaching clients, but also uh, with joint venture partners because I have a flat fee JV package where they pay me. X amount, then they keep 100% of sales for what we're doing. And I've had partners say, well, what's a guarantee, Mark? And I I say, well, there's no guarantee in life, except, of course, the uh, old adage, except death and taxes. And around this time uh, that we're living in, I'd say COVID restrictions, too. So there's three things, (laughs) you know, three things that we're dealing with. But besides that, there's no other guarantees. And, uh, usually they'll laugh and, you know, they'll go ahead with it. But I've had some people pull back and I'm like, Hey, that's totally fine. Because if they're not in it a hundred percent and they're thinking about refunds and stuff like that before we even get started, then that's telling me something there. So uh, that would be one suggestion to keep your eyes open or your antenna up for that kind of question.
0: Yeah. And the same in, uh, my store owner's lives, you get mm. a retail customer. In there, and they're asking you more questions about <clears throat> your refund policy <laughs> than they are uh, about, you know, how they're going to execute the delivery of the furniture or the and or the mattress. Uh, it's time to ask some pretty deep questions and ask them: Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> because there's a
1: reason we need to get that resolved before we go go any further. Uh, One thing I've discovered, Pete, you'd get a kick out of this, is I, I spell the word coach God 10, 20, 30, maybe even more times a day. So you total that up in the run of a year. Um, coach is probably the word that I use most. I went to sell a couch on uh, Facebook Marketplace a few months back, about six months ago now. And I, I kept spelling coach when I was putting couch there. I'm like, geez, what, what is going on? So... Anyways, that's something I thought you would appreciate in the world that you're in. I can no longer spell couch consistently. I always spell it as couch uh, when I go to do that.
0: You know the the uh, French have a uh, have ha, have a word for that. It's called the defi- de- what is it Def- defamation professionnel. and what it means is your mind actually becomes deformed. Your mind depending on your profession and what you encounter, mm. uh, Pat Tinney, the man, the myth, the legend. This is an honor. A fellow Canadian, by the way. Oh, there we go. Author of unlock. And yes, he is the master of negotiation. Um, fit is critical or you will be hit by the time vampires. Little Dan Kennedy there for you, Patrick time vampires. That's, that's straight up Dan Kennedy. That's, uh, That's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Guy Danes is piling on and saying, correct, Patrick, perfect. Yep, I agree a 100%. I got to get to a quick little chapter in my book. And for those of you who already have my book, we're going to be doing page 53. This will only take a minute. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Mark. Chapter 33. Your number one product is you. Successful store owners understand and embrace the fact that their number one product is their own self. Therefore, they can invest time and money in making this product the best it can be. In today's business world, there's no room for weak, personalityless, timid marketers. You must understand you you must understand only the strong survive. Sorry being a little Darwinistic there. Success starts with you, what you focus on, how you think, and what you do on a repeated and consistent basis. The good news is, there are plenty of excellent books, courses, and people to help you to develop and maximize your personal skills, and my goal with this chapter is to simply remind you of the critical importance on focusing on self-development. When I wrote this book, I was 54 years old, so it was a little bit ago. I am 54 years old right now. I'm not, I'm 62. By the time that I get this book finished and published, I will be 55. I listen to most of my books in my van, still true, while I drive 20 to 30 hours a week. I probably drive 40 to 50 hours a week. I have turned my van into a learning institution. I suggest that you find time and make time to further your sales business and marketing education. When you accept the fact that like product research and development, personal research and development is equally important. You're on your way to bigger and better things. Here are a few simple ways to do this. Read, study, and the most important one, implement. If you drive a lot, listen and implement. Have an inner circle of trusted friends. Attend events with excellent speakers promise yourself you will always be a student. Always be learning. Celebrate and enjoy success. But be careful of complacency. What say you, Mark? What say you?
1: I mean, I'm the same way. Uh, I'm to the point of I've got five minutes to spare. I'm throwing on Audible or a podcast or something and I'm listening at 2x speed, which at first I thought was crazy, but a client of mine recommended it. He said, give it a try, Mark, and I tried it, and they sounded like Alvin in the chip marks. I was like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. And I told him the next time I was talking, to he goes, no, give it a chance. Your brain will adjust and get used to it. I now can't listen to podcasts or audiobooks at 1x speed. Now, if it's a fast narrator or something, that I may go at 1.5. But by going a two, two X, you, your brain gets used to it and you soak in a lot. So it's the same way. You know, it's if I'm at the grocery store or anything like that, I'm usually listening to something. I have to be careful though, because I can go overboard. And what I've tried to make an effort to do every day is have thinking time. I have my trusty moleskins, uh, you know, around and I'll often I'll shut the phone or turn it to do not disturb, have it in another room. And I will just take an hour to think and brainstorm and just see what comes out, what bubbles uh, onto the paper from that too. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm all for learning. I mean, people in the 50s or 60s would have given anything to have access to the resources that we have now. Uh, Back in the day, even the 90s when you'd have to get uh, compact discs and, and to listen to things and stuff like that, now it's so readily available. So. I would say definitely soak it all in, but make sure that you're also creating stuff too, that you're not just a consumer. Because I feel like a lot of people in the coaching world are personal development junkies or addicts. And uh, they know everyone else's books, programs, everything else. It's like, well, then what are you putting out there? It's like, well, I haven't created it yet. I'm doing more research and getting used to it. It's like, no, don't get stuck in that analysis paralysis either. So it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah.
0: I love your... uh... Your time hack. I got up to 1.4, but I've never pushed it to two. That's uh, I'm I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it hmm. because that is a way to create that thinking time. And and the way Dan Kennedy says it, don't be so busy working in your business that you don't have time to work on your business. And uh, thinking time about your business is is incredibly huge. As a business owner, you absolutely have to do that. Kyle Danes, there are two key aspects that will change your life, the right consistent focus and the right consistent focus.
1: Absolutely, Kyle. (laughs) What say you, Mark? Or the third thing, the right consistent focus, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that word consistent. I know focus is a big part of that, but uh, consistency is something that doesn't get talked about much. So uh, I think it's an underrated superpower. And people say, well, how have you been able to do what you do, Mark, with coaching? It's it's a compound effect. You know, Darren Hardy talked about uh, just showing up every day, releasing that podcast, putting that post up. I've been doing daily emails since 2016 uh, with it, and it just adds up, it snowballs with it. Unfortunately, in the coaching world, I find a lot of people will try something for maybe a week or a couple weeks, and they don't get a bunch of clients rushing in. So then they're off chasing the next bright, shiny object. Right now, it's... Well, two years ago, it was uh, Clubhouse. Now everyone's gushing about chat GPT and AI and stuff like that. Which, by the way, um, I love that so many coaches and competitors are interested in, in chat GPT because then those who are putting their actual personality out there not relying on AI to write all their content will stand out even more. Because I feel like a lot of lazy people are thinking, oh, this is great. I'm not going to have to work anymore. I'll just plug in a few prompts there and get the AI to spit out something. And you're already see- seeing a lot of this mediocre content. Uh, yeah. Chat chat GPT isn't going to be able to replace, like you talked about uh, before, Pete, your own personality and stuff like that. So... If you're putting your personality out there, you're bold, unfiltered, and, and being different and not afraid to take risks, no one can copy you. You know, you're you're uncopyable, if that's a word, uh, with it. So I say bring on chat if people are relying on that. Great. You know, that'll just help others who are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, the most the most important thing anybody can do, and this goes for my store owners that own furniture and mattress stores. You, you want everything to be perfect, but it's not perfect. Uh, you don't like the way you look on video. You don't like your voice. Guess what? Get over it because you're the only person that can't be copied. So go ahead, make that commercial. And if it's not perfect, guess what? It's you and it can't be copied. And all you have to do is look at Trent Bedden and Bowling Green or, or, uh, uh, look at, uh, my, my friend, uh, Scott Vaughn at Happy Z's in Paducah, Kentucky and Benton, Kentucky. Um, and ask yourself a question. Could I do something similar to that? And the answer that you're going to come up with is yes, I can. And the most important thing you're ever going to do in any business is to be yourself. And trying to do it the easy way is sometimes. The most dangerous way because everybody can do it the easy way. Can you do it the hard way? Can you do it the original way? Can you do it the authentic way? Can you know when you put your heart and your mind and your soul out there? People feel that. And when they feel that, they come to you instead of one of your competitors. Listen, guys and gals, you're all selling rectangles, and the promise should be that they're going to wake up happy and pain-free to the degree that they can wake up happy and pain-free given their cir- circumstances. Um, you make the difference. You need to be original. And I guess that might be one of the things that I would look for in, in a coach. Is he or she original or are they just kind of playing safe and playing in the middle? Because Chances are, you as a store owner or a business owner, or even a sales rep, I get a lot of sales reps listening to this. Unintended consequence. I never expected sales reps to listen to this, but I think I get more sales reps, Mark, than I do Mm -hmm. business owners. Be yourself. You're the only one, to Mark's point, that can't be copied. And when everybody starts blending into the same sounding drone, boring, you be the one Who's being yourself, and you will find a lot more success. Let's kind of mark. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm Danes. Mark, words of wisdom
1: from you. Good to see some gray hair. <laughs> I get, I look at my uh, Facebook memories every day. I'll show you what you posted on this day one year ago, this day two years ago, three years ago, and so on. Yeah. And I didn't think I had as many gray hairs, but showing me uh, videos and pictures from 2014, 2015, where it's like a brownish red beard or whatever, and it's going progressively grayer and grayer. So there's no um, no just for men or anything here. I'm just letting her age gracefully. It-
0: Patrick Tinney yes. says, it's about positive risk and commitment to creativity. Yes. And that is something, Mark, I would look for in a coach.
1: Yeah. I, um, it, for me too, like I'm drawn to people who put their message out there unapologetically. I could tell you uh, daily emails, I mentioned before, uh, from 2014 to 2016, I did my emails like everyone else online pretty much. You know, I'd mail maybe once a week, every two weeks, sometimes twice a week, and they were just blah boring because I've tried not to offend anyone or lose any subscribers. And I got ready to ditch email. I said, I'm going to focus on what's working. Screw email marketing. Doesn't work or whatever. Uh, I had a guest on my podcast that challenged me to do daily emails, which I thankfully did. Uh, I gave it... I said, I'm going to give it 30 days of daily emails. Uh, but the other thing I did with that is I said, I'm just going to take the filter off and say what I actually think. you know. Um, and if I lose subscribers, that's fine. They probably weren't the right fit for me anyways. And that's been like, I think, 2,400 straight days or something like that without missing a day of emails. And uh, yeah, sometimes I poke the bear, I say things that offend people and they leave, but I draw a lot of people to me too because I'm willing to at least say what I think and I'm I'm not um, pussyfooting around, which happens a lot, a lot of people in the coaching world. Well, perfect example, you can see the money um, picture back here. Your guys' American money looks much better than our Canadian monopoly, funny money. Um, I had a coach tell me, oh, gee, you shouldn't have that picture there because you don't want people thinking you're greedy or that you like money too much. And I said, well, no. I said, I'm proud of capitalist. I love money. you know, And I hope that my clients love money and they want to make more of it too. If you're putting out something that's good, you should be compensated for it. So I put this out there unapologetically and I've gotten a lot of clients coming to me. And that's the reason why is like, I like that you actually admit they like money as opposed to a lot of people in the coaching world. It's sheep, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing where they try to pretend that they, oh, geez, no, I hate money. It's not about money. I want to impact a billion people in the world and I could care less about money. Well, you know, that's, and often they're the greediest ones. They just don't put it right out there. Uh, so yeah, put, put your own personality out there, your own unfiltered opinion. You'd be surprised at who you draw into your world that way.
0: So. <clears throat> I own a business. I'm looking for the perfect coach. What should I be doing in my head before I arrive at that place? Um, do you, do you go through a selection process in your head of like what areas I'm strong in? What am I weak at? What do I need help with before selecting a coach or how, how do you, recommend somebody start the process of selecting the perfect coach?
1: Well, I mean, at any time, I usually have one or two coaches I'm working with. Uh, and not necessarily just business. Like I hired a past client of mine, at Donnie DeSante, recently. He's a health coach because I had worked with him before on the business side, helping him with his business. And then I wanted to lose a few pounds and get into better shape. I thought, who better than Donnie? He's great at what he does. So, a lot of times when you're coaching, we think I oh, was just making money stuff like that. Well, there's lots of other coaches and different things. Um, to answer your question, what do you look for? Uh, I'm a little bit spoiled because I've done so many podcast interviews and, and been around so long that I know a lot of coaches and and they're already like Donnie is right there in my Rolodex, so to speak, so I, I trust them and reach out to them. But I would go with um, asking your friends or people you know, of who they had good experiences with. They work with similar coaches. I think um, personal referrals are always good. Don't believe what you just see in a, a Facebook ad or something like that. Um, spoiler alert, there are people who uh, embellish on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a bit of a wild west my rule of thumb for the internet i assume that everybody's full of shit until they prove otherwise if they prove me wrong then, you know, and that tends to work but don't just hire because oh jesus you know a person on facebook ad said they can make me eight figures in the next three months you know or whatever uh with it so personal referral um and, you know listen nowadays we've got podcast books everything else here you could almost build a relationship with someone without ever talking with them so for example uh Ben Settle is someone who I've learned a lot from email marketing uh, about email marketing from. I felt like a new Ben before I had him on my show a couple times and stuff because I subscribed to his print newsletter email players. I bought a number of his uh, books, which weren't cheap because he specifically charged a lot for books. Uh, listened to a bunch of his old podcasts when he had that in. all this other stuff. Then I had him on my show a couple times. so, um, I already felt like I knew him there and I felt really good with purchasing and investing with him as well. So, yeah, I mean, there there's a few tips. If you ever stock, shoot me a message because I probably interviewed or know a coach in that world uh, that I could recommend some good people with it just because I've had a chance to meet so many coaches. Are there any hard no's
0: for you? Um you're interviewing someone to be a coach.
1: Warning signs: do not go any further. Uh, well, I, I like to ask them why they're becoming a coach. So you know, I want to know about their motivation. And although I talked about it earlier, I'm a fan of money, and I want my clients to want to do well and make a lot of money. Uh, it helps if there's another why that's in there. Like, why do they want to make money? There's got to be something else in there. Uh, one of my past clients, uh, originally when we started working together. That's probably the most common answer I get from coaches. Uh, what's your goal? Why are you doing this? Or what's your magic uh, number? You know, If we're talking a year from now that you want to be uh, earning per month, $10,000 is probably the most common answer, $10,000 a month uh, with it. And then I got digging down a little bit more and come to find out the reason why he wanted to build up a six-figure business and grow from there. His mother had some health challenges, so he wanted to be able to make enough that he could support her basically when she wasn't able to work with it. When we turned the focus on that instead of just the money, he really took off because that was a more powerful motivator for him, like what he was using the money for with it. So I would say find your, your why is, is an important uh, thing or the client's why. In my case, I want to know why they're doing what they're doing because if it's just money and that's it, there's going to be those peaks and valleys. And when they're down in the valleys, they're, they're going to have a tough time getting back up because they're looking at their bank account. It's not where they thought it would be. They thought they would make a million bucks in a couple months. They're not there and they want to quit or whenever I'd much prefer work with someone that's got something emotional attached to it as well. So he just modeled for
0: you exactly. If you're looking for a coach, find a coach who digs to find your real why. Because if he or she does not care enough about you to find out your real why, they're not really committed to getting the kind of results that you really need to get. The reason you dug for that, Mark, was because you really wanted to light a fire underneath them because you know from experience that just wanting what $10,000 buys isn't enough. It's not enough. But taking care of your mom, that's huge. Mm. That, that's a fire. I mean, you just poured gas on, on the fire and you will have no problem with compliance when you dig de- deep down and you find the real why. That's... That's great.
1: Yeah, that, that client, actually, there's another lesson I learned from him, uh, which popped up and and how to motivate yourself to do something you have to get done. So we we're having trouble getting his Facebook group up and running. Like for whatever reason, he wasn't getting that darn group open. So every week I'd be like, did you get your group going? I, I didn't see an invite or whatever. No, no, I'll get it done for next week. And um, I really want to get that community open and growing for him because it was an important part of what we were doing. Uh, so uh, what I ended up uh, telling him is, uh, this, this is kind of a backwards way of uh, motivating yourself. I did not come up with it. I think Jack Canfield talked about it and a few other people have. Uh, but basically I said, what's a, a person or an organization that you absolutely hate? You can't stand what they stand for and or whatever. And uh, he, he said, well, probably the KKK you know, or whatever. Um so I said, okay. So will you agree this if to this if your Facebook group isn't open by the time we do our call next week? Will you donate a thousand dollars to the KKK? And uh, he was kind of taken aback because that's not something you expect to talk about in a coaching call. Uh, but he agreed to it. I said, okay, you we have you on record. You're going to donate a thousand dollars. Suddenly, that went a fire under him because um, he would be donating to a group that he obviously was 180 degrees away from, did not agree with. Uh, he could never probably run for president as he donated to the KKK and that uh, came out. Uh, make the long story short, uh, he ended up opening the group in time. Surprise, surprise. He didn't have to donate to that organization. Uh, so if you're struggling to get your book out into the world or to do something you know you need to be doing... Um, Give a give a friend a post a chapter or something, just say, Hey, here's a thousand dollar donation to whatever politician they hate or organization or whatever. If I don't have my book finished by whatever date, uh send this off for me. And uh that and so it's kind of negative motivation in a way, but it's whatever gets the job done. And that came from that client as well, the exact same one that was uh his mother was his motivation. Wow.
0: Lots of great tips here. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, I'll share you uh, share a quick story with you. <laughs> when uh, Paul Castain yeah. was coaching me and we had agreed that I should do a podcast, I just dragged my feet, dragged my feet, dragged my feet. So finally he said, do we or do we not agree that you're going to do a podcast? We agree. He goes, there's never going to be a perfect time you're not going to like it at the beginning. You're going to look back after you do 50 shows. And you're going to look at yourself and laugh at how bad you were when you started. And when you do a hundred shows, you're going to look back and you're going to say, Oh my <laughs> Lord, how bad was I? He goes, but you have to, you, you have to do it. Now, what's the date we're going to do this? And so I gave him a date. I think it was like two weeks away. He goes, okay. He goes, have you been happy with the results that we've gotten with your with the coaching? I go, Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is a coach's coach hmm. here. He said, Good. He goes, We've agreed that we're gonna do this and that you're gonna launch, right? Yep. He goes, You've given me one excuse after the other for weeks on end, right? Yep. If you don't do it by this day, we're done. I mean, he actually threatened to to pull me as a client over it. And that's what got me to 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 do my first podcast.
1: So uh that there takes a
0: lot of hustle.
1: <laughs> well it's so easy to push it to the back burner, right? Um there's always something else you could be doing just to distract yourself from actually doing what you should be getting done. So good job. And he kept you, you guys kept working together. The show got up there. Everyone's happy.
0: Yep. Mark, somebody watches this show and they said, I like this, Mark. I want, I want to talk to him. Um, how do they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. I mean, the best way naturalborncoaches.com. That's the main website. I'm in uh, the coaching jungle group a lot. That's the doc coaching com. We'd love to see you there as well. So, um, yeah, either places you can find me. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much. I hope you,
0: uh, keep cool and uh keep warm in Canada. I'm uh we're pretty icy right now here. Um i um, I was going to put a dress shirt on but I went with the flannel
1: instead today. True story, uh this past weekend we were we're Celsius of course in Canada. We were it got as low as -47 on Saturday morning and I converted it to Fahrenheit. It's -52.6 uh, Fahrenheit. Now it warmed up to a balmy -30 Celsius which I don't even know what is. It's still cold for Fahrenheit uh, with it. And I actually have, I don't know if you can see it, but this is my friend today. It's a heat dish. Um, Although it is milder now, we're getting into Balmy Beach weather. It's probably 30 Fahrenheit today or something um, with it. But yeah, that's okay. Great part of the world. I love Canada. It's just January, February. I can do without. I hear you.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for watching and contributing. Thanks.